Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That is true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Actually, this month I got something different, an interview with two different literary agents, uh, so Rachel Beck and Katie Reed, different agencies, very interesting young women. We talked about their journey to being a literary agent and just what one can expect when one works with one. So if that's something you're interested in, if you're a member of the PNWA, uh, you might get a chance to work with them at our next conference. So that's something go check out at uh, authormagazine.org. And like I said, we're a member. We are funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 can learn more about the PNWA in that conference, which will be in next September at pnwa.org. And so, yeah, hey, Happy New Year. We're back at it, back at it. I always take a couple of weeks off at the end of the year, but I'm back. And I had a great conversation with Nick Petrie, best-selling suspense writer. Oh, we just got right to it, man. We got right to it, writing and how we, how we find stories and how we have to trust ourselves. Oh, it's a great conversation. What an interesting guy. Uh, Nick is the author of eight novels in the Peter Ash series, most recently uh, The Runaway. That's actually his seventh, I think. His debut, The Drifter, won both the ITW Thriller Award and the Barry Award for Best First Novel and was a finalist for the Edgar and the Hammett Awards. He's a husband and father. He lives in the Milwaukee area. And like I say, his eighth novel is most recent. The Price You Pay will be published in February. February, this February. So, Pre-ordered if you want. Yeah. Like I said, great conversation. Glad I get to share it with you now. Enjoy. All right. Look who it is. It's Nick Petrie. Nick Petrie, come to me. He's injured. He's wounded. He's getting over the COVID, but he's doing this anyway. Nick, how you doing all right? You hanging in there? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm a little raspy. You can hear you can hear my tough guy voice yeah. here, but... Uh... Uh, it's all that coughing, but uh, I'm I'm definitely on the mound. I'm back to work. I'm feeling good. Thanks. Well, you write suspense. You write suspense. You gotta be, you gotta connect to your inner tough guy if you're gonna do this, right? Maybe it'll help you. Arr. yeah. There you go. All That's right, more like so, my inner pirate, really. Even better. Even better. So, all right. So the Peter Ash series. We're on book nine, eight, nine now. Uh, number eight is coming out. Number eight. Okay, so number eight is coming out, and um, so you've been and. Were, are you doing are you a, about a one a year guy every two years what's your current pace i i have been one a year i i've published seven books in seven years and and this book actually uh took a lot out of me this one i ended up throwing out five months worth of work uh the the deadline just went totally out the window wow. um so i i, I it, it's funny though i think the ones that are the hardest to write for me that are that you know are the most sort of blood sweat and tears uh, end up turning out to be what I think are my my better books. Um, um, I had a I had a uh, a real wrestling match with um, uh, I can't even remember the name of it. The Wild One. This book set in Iceland, um, which got a lot of attention. Uh, so and then this one, reading back through it, I mean, I I always hate everything as I as I work on it. Do you um, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I like from a sentence to sentence, you know, or there's a scene that I like, but it just it's really hard to see the book accumulate. Um, and I'm always, I'm fairly tortured. I'm, I'm generally racked with self-doubt about how, how well this one is going. Beginning every new book, I'm sort of like, 
do I still know how to do this? But so this one, I got to the, the point where I was reading through the galley edits. It's the last chance to make uh, any corrections. You yeah. get to see how the book uh, is laid out on the page. So it's as close to the finished book as you're going to get. Um, and I was reading through and I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually, this is pretty good. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm, 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 I'm ready. You finally give it to yourself. You know, I remember I interviewed Alice Hoffman, who's written so many books. She writes oh, so yeah, magical realism that. and stuff. And, and she said, every time she starts one, she thinks, I don't know how to do this. I don't remember. I don't, I don't have this because, you know, even though you're writing in a, so it's interesting to me because even though you're writing in a series and so you're writing, you have a protagonist that you know, right. And, and obviously, you know, the genre, it's not the same book. It's not the same book, right? It's not. And, and the, the funny thing about writing a series is I think it gets harder as you go along because, you know, a lot, I've, I've done this kind of plot line. I've done that kind yeah, of plot line. Yeah. Um, you know, unless I want to kill a recurring character, it's really hard to shake up things, especially, you know, when you're eight books in, um, you know, people have a certain set of expectations about it. And the challenge is both to keep it fresh for myself as, as well as the readers and to not repeat and to sort of keep trying to grow the characters and expand right. the world. Yeah. Um, and it, it gets, it gets harder, um, so I, you know, I think people who I, I talk to standalone writers who are like, oh, my God, you series guys have it so easy. Yeah, right. And everybody I know who writes series <laughs> things, but the standalone people, because uh, you just get to invent again. You know, yeah. you, you can you can kill off the hero. You can you know, you can do all sorts of stuff that you don't yeah. really get to do in a series. It's why some of the series writers I've talked to have gotten to know and will sometimes start a new one. They find a new character and they, you know, it makes sense to me. You know, you do eight or ten or. 20 you might right. want like because that would be my fear so i tend to write in a certain things i write a lot of personal essays about certain similar subjects and i say god i feel like i am writing the same essay i can't like i really have to think differently about it because i can start just imitating what i sounded like when i really cared about that stuff. you know when i was new when it was fresh sure. to me, right so well, well, well the, the thing that was hard about this book in particular is that this is so there, there's a, the main character's name is Peter Ash. He's a Marine Corps veteran, um, uh, you know, sort of still reckoning with the consequences of his years in combat. Right. Um, and his, his best friend is a retired career criminal named Lewis. And so that's sort of he's Lewis is sort of the sidekick character. Right. And and this is the book where we dive into uh, Lewis's past. So his his past right. comes back to haunt him. A member of his old crew is in trouble. And he asks Peter to drive north into the teeth of this blizzard to rescue the man. Um, so it was trying to find a. I, I knew a lot of history about this character that I hadn't explored yet, but finding a way to do it that uh, that was consistent with the series and involved, uh, you know, the hero Peter in, in a certain way. That those were the challenges, and and I like to set myself a challenge with everything yeah. because it. It gives you sort of a way of thinking about it. Oh, this is the book where I'm trying to do, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying to do X, Y, or Z. Um, you know, I'm trying to tell a more, you know, to use a more complex structure or, um, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So it's a it's a weird process, um, but I'm very lucky that uh, the books have found the audience they have, uh, and uh, I actually get to pay my mortgage. You're not lucky. You're not lucky. You just did the thing you like to do. And you did it really well, and you were committed. I, 
I don't believe in luck anymore. I understand you're, it's a very generous point of view because there are people who are struggling and not doing it. But, you know, maybe you had something to do with it. Maybe maybe you had something to do with it. Well, what's the I, there's a line about, you know, luck finds people who who show up to work every day. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I really think that's that's true. But part of it is that, you know, the stuff that I want to write, the stuff that is in me, those stories I want to tell are also stories that have found a readership in, in a way yeah. that, you know, people are enthusiastic about them. And and I have friends who are, you know, better writers than I am, quite frankly, who their stories just don't strike that same chord. And they haven't found that sort of level of readership. And it's a with publishing is a weird, <laughs> uh, weird, weird thing. And yeah. you, you forget that it's a business at your peril. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not writing to a market. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not trying to trying to write, I'm not thinking of the business as I write. I mean, what you said earlier about um, sort of finding the thing that interests you and, and chasing it, I really think that's the secret to uh, actually also finding success as a novelist, because yeah. if you're if you're chasing a trend, you're going to miss it. That's just the nature of it. That's right. um, you know, if you're trying to write the next Harry Potter, that ship has already sailed. If you're trying to write the next Hunger Games or whatever else, write that, that you know, there's no capturing that. Um, so, but you, what you can do is you write the, the next piece of you, the next thing that you're passionate about, that you can't stop thinking about, that you wake up in the middle of the night with that swirling around in your head. I mean, to me, that's the secret. That absolutely is. And I think some, I was thinking about just recently because I was working on a piece and I, you know, I was contracted to write it and I was really, I was having trouble finding my interest in the piece. Like I had pitched the thing and then I actually started writing. It's like, why did I pitch this? Thing? And, but, you know, but I have since found it, but initially I was really struggling and it reminded me again that what we call writer's block, a lot of the times I think it's just, I have you, the writer hasn't found out why they're interested or they're not finding it. They're just not personally compelled. Even if you don't know what it is you're going to write, you have to be interested to find what you're going to write. But I was feeling dead to the subject just for a day or two. And then it eventually worked up. But I would think, I would think that especially writing series, you got to keep asking yourself, why is this interesting to me? What's cool? What is interesting about this? What do I want to discover? Because without interest, I don't know how you stay connected. Oh, sure. Well, and you can tell when a writer, you know, whatever book they're on, you can tell when they're, they're not all in, in the same yeah. way. And, and, and every, you know, my, my favorite crime novelists uh, who, who I, I won't name um, but the ones with the long careers, you know, you know that that couple of books where they just they were trying to figure out, you know, how to stay in, involved or they were just doing it because their publisher said we need the next one. Yeah. Uh, and my goal is to sort of not have that uh, apparent right? yeah. to not show that to the readers. And I I mean, for me, it's it, again, it's following that thing that you're curious about. So sometimes I start with a social issue. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I start with a character issue. And I sort of try to think about how I'm going to express those things. Um, but I don't know, beginning is always difficult. Oh, is that, uh, that's one of the tough parts for you? It, it is. I have to find, I have to, so I, I'm not, a, I, I'm not a plotter. I don't outline. Um, I begin with a situation and I, and I sort of expand forward from there. Right. Um, but I, and I have to know enough to know what the next chapter is, but I, I, I can't know too much. Uh, or, or I just, or I, lo I lose interest or yeah. I, I get bored yeah. or, or I can't, I'm, or I'm telegraphing that stuff to the reader. Um, so I, Oh, now that's it, interesting. It is, a, 
That's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt, Nick, but that, <laughs> no, no, you know, no. I, I'm not a, the plotting and pantsing thing. It's always kind of interesting to me, those who've done it. And I for sure know that as a, as a person who's never outlined anything, how I need to stay engaged, but I had not thought about the telegraphing thing that if you know what's coming, talk to me about that. Like, what did you realize that that's what, what you would do? Well, it's interesting. So, so um, the, the, I, I wrote a book set in Iceland, um, okay. which which really kind of kicked my butt. And this was this was the wild one. This was right. one, two, three, three books ago. Um, and th- what was different about that book is I I went to Iceland with my son. We went on a backpacking trip. It was a, a kind of a astonishing, life changing experience. And I had oh. never thought of writing a book not set in the U.S. And we were in the airport on the way home, and this whole book sort of showed up wow. in my head. Wow. Um, which has never happened before or since. And I had about 20 minutes of this sort of, you know, lightning storm in my head. And I just right. scribbled down notes. And I sort of thought, well, hey, now I have it, right? So here's what I start with. You know, I, I knew the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I started writing and I just, I had that problem where like I was, I was, I was giving away too much I was showing too much along the way. I wasn't discovering new things. And, and eventually, you know, I, I, I blew through my deadline. Um, it, it was, it was a whole thing. Uh, my, my <laughs> editor was extremely disappointed with me. <laughs> um, and then she went on maternity leave and I, I, I got a temporary editor um, who was like, uh, you know, this happens to everybody. Like this is not just you where a book starts to get the better of you. You just have to sort of sort of lean back and be patient and keep showing up. And which is, right. which has kind of always been my mode. And there was a point at which I'd gotten three quarters of the way through. And I went back to the beginning, which is, I, I do that, you know, three, three or four times probably in, in yeah. the course of writing a book. Um, I write one long sort of continuous draft. And sometimes I go back to the beginning and tweak things or add a scene that I know needs to be added. Right. And I, and I went back through and, and suddenly I could sort of see the things that I had done that gave something away or that reduced the tension. And so I went back through with a pen and paper and I was like, you know, no, no, no. And I, and I cut and I cut and I cut. And I finally got back to that point Um. And suddenly I had the momentum and I knew kind of what I had to reveal and when and how. Um, so it, it, I, I don't know. I, I think writer's block is real, but I think it's as much about confidence as anything else that you just have to sort of believe you can work it out, that you can figure it out, that you'll, you can fix it in edits. Um, and it really helps to have an editor who is smart and capable. Uh, and I, I've always been lucky in that regard. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You talk about confidence and a lot of what, con- you know, confidence has a lot to do with trusting something that you can't see. And you talked about luck and I kind of made my comments on <laughs> my philosophy of luck. However, I understand why people would use that word because so much of the creative process involves things that you don't feel in control of coming. Like, so you're sitting in this airport and boom, the thing comes to you. You didn't push some button and say, give me a story. It came. And there is a sense of like, Am I in charge of this or aren't I? Because and the best stuff, I'm sure, is that stuff that that lights up in your mind and you go, oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. And it didn't feel like it. You were there, but you didn't create it. Does that make sense? The difference there? Actually, I think that's a very perceptive observation, and it's something that is in my mind all the time. And it's why I really think about 
you know, I show up every day, whether I'm feeling inspired or not. And, and often all I have to do is show up and, and I, you know, bang my head against the laptop for sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's three or four hours and, yeah. and things will start to, to move. I really do think that, and, and I, I mean, it's, this is why we have the idea of the muses, right? Because it, yeah. it comes from yeah. something outside of ourselves. Um, and I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, I know it comes from me, but it is outside my control and it is about. Uh, faith really and trust yeah it is that, that it will happen i had a conversation years ago with greg hurwitz um mm. oh, who is yeah. a super talented guy yeah. and, and is a very prolific uh writer across multiple mediums um he's one of the people i think of as kind of a real grown-up writer as opposed <laughs> like to myself you. i don't think of myself as a real okay you'll get there <laughs> um but but I, I i said so you know if you you know, if you were at the point where I was in my career, where I am in my career now, you know, if you were four or five books in sort of what would you, what would you go back and say to your younger self? Um, like, does it, and my question at that point was, does it get, does it ever get easier? And he said, no, it never gets easier, but you do develop the confidence to keep going. Uh, and so like that, and, and since then I've sort of found that in, in myself that like, even if I don't really know how to how to find the next piece of this book or how these things are going to tie together um that it's just the act of beginning the act of of uh sort of having faith in my own you know ability to have that lightning strike at some point um the one thing i do know is that if you're not at your desk lightning's not going to strike yeah it's it's right? it's really true it's really true i i teach a thing called fearless writing which is really just about uh, helping people whether they ever going to be writers or not how to be in the frame of mind that allows writing to occur. You know, you have to be at your desk, but there also, there's also a particular frame of mind we have to sort of enter to let the thing come. And it's different than what I do as I go about my day, you know, and it's a practice, I think, of really relaxing and not anticipating, not anticipating anything in a way, not even the next sentence, if you can get there. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a, a, a very sort of Buddhist uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Take, right about it yeah. there's sort of this acceptance and trying to be in the moment I, I agree with you entirely um you know the other thing that that i always talk about is about uh i can't there's a uh a uh a choreographer named twyla tharp oh yeah who, ta who talks about um you have to keep a clean antenna oh, right okay. and so that's what yeah. that's what's out there yeah like, trying, to, trying to capture all these ideas so you've got to keep yep. a clean antenna and so like when i'm really working on something you know, I am not, I, I, I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm not watching TV. <laughs> no. um, you know, I am, you know, I am really thinking about this thing 24 seven um, and, and trying to sort of eliminate all of the distraction, right? I, I, I try not to read the newspaper. I, I, you know, all of that stuff. I have sort of a very simple uh, playlist I've been listening to for, for, you know, boy, a long, long time now. That's kind of my work playlist. And that's sort of it. And I think if you're, you know, if you go out drinking every night and you wake up and you read the paper and you, you're listening to a podcast about something else. Uh, I mean, I love podcasts. It's a big part of how I take in information. Um, but I have to be very judicious about it. So for me, it's an end of the day thing. If I go yeah. for a walk in the morning, I just I just let my head go. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a that's really important for me personally to be receptive, to be open to, to have those ideas show up.
Yeah, I think it's critical. I always say like, if you can, because I have clients and a lot of them, they're grown people, jobs and all this sort of thing. They really want to write. And I'm like, if you can do it, get up early and do it before you work. Because I, I think you start a conversation with the world. You go out in the world, you hear things, you see things, you talk about things, and yet you're in a kind of conversation, but your book is its own specific conversation. And you have to tune in and you're the only one, you're it. Like there's no one else having it with you. You got to go in to find it where everything else is out there. You're talking to that one, you go in there, you see in this, you do it. And it's all internal. It's like, you know, Nick, because writing, it, it requires such, there is nothing to react to. We have nothing to react to when we write where everything else like you're a carpenter, right? You did woodwork. You have things you can hold and hammer and nail and cut, but you can't do that when you work, not specifically. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Again, I think that's super smart that that I love the idea about being in a conversation with the world, which is important yeah. to, to find new ideas, but to develop the one that you've got, um, you, you need to basically find a little hermit space, even yes. if it's an hour in the morning. That's right. Um, and, if, and if you can write, uh, if, if you can have an hour and you can write a page, you can write a book in a year. That's right. Like, like it, it, this is, this is not uh, a miracle or magic. Um, this is something that, that just, you know, if you just show up, um, the, the caveat to that is that like I, I um, like Steve Hamilton, for example, um, is, is not a morning person in any way, shape or form. Uh -huh. He does all his work after, after work. Um, so he, he worked as a, uh, at, at, like as an, an editor for IBM okay. for 25 years. And so he would get home uh, at the end of the day and he would have, he would have dinner with his family and he would hang around. And then at eight or nine o'clock at night, he would vanish oh, into his office God, and he, and he would work until one or two. And he, he had been at IBM long enough and was in a flexible capacity that like they knew he, they weren't going to see him until 10 or 11. And he was going to, you know, bust a nut and work hard until six. Um, so, like, part of it is just you have to find what works. Yeah, that's true for you. Yeah, there was a there was a while when I was working as a, a freelance building inspector. So I covered six counties. I was doing two or three appointments a day. Wow. Um, and it was my own business, so I could I could you know sort of tweak the schedule a little bit. And so I would, between my first and second appointment, I put a little extra space, and I would stop. And I knew where every Starbucks, every coffee shop. Oh, you were doing were. it. Oh, you were and, doing it. <laughs> and I would stop and get a cup of coffee. And I would I would work like a demon for however long I had, 45 minutes or an hour, get back in the car and go back to work. And it's it's just about finding that that both the space and the time to get your head into that space. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh I always, I, this is where you, we're talking, this is where I write. It's always, it's always been in a room with the door closed and that sort of thing. However, for time I was writing these essays, I would go just when I'd quit working and I had a lot of free time just to get out of the house, I would go to a cafe and I'd write. And I found, I liked it because the cafe actually created a kind of white noise that allowed me to sort of feel like I was a part of the world, but not a part of the world. It was interesting yeah. that I was able to really focus quite well in that environment. And it had to do with the, the hum around me to some degree. Yeah. I wrote most of those first four books in coffee shops. Oh, um, oh. and um, I mean, Mark Graney still, I think works entirely in a Starbucks near his house. Wow. Um, Cause he's got, he's got three kids and his house is, you know, a very active place. And I think he's got, I think he's up to four dogs now. So I can't imagine <laughs> that that's hard to work in that environment. Yeah. But the challenge now 
right? Is is so I I write for a living. I don't I no longer have a day job. Right. And now what I have is, you know, the whole the whole day, aside from stuff like, you know, reporting reporting a, a podcast like this, or right. you know, I need to balance my checkbook or you know, do sort sure. of the business related things because being a full-time writer is also running a business. I am. But it, it's so easy to fall out of that mindset where, well, I got an hour, I'm gonna I'm gonna get something done. Now I, I, you know, in a way, I have all the time in the world, and so I waste a lot of time. Ah, really? Um, After all those years of being such a hardworking guy and doing your own business, I know. Now, I know. <laughs> so you know, one of the interesting things of getting COVID, and I have a family member who actually was quite ill in the hospital not too mm -hmm. long ago as well, and it's like, you know, holy crap! You know, I we are not all of us guaranteed tomorrow, right? Right. You know, I, I could get hit by a bus. I'm in my 50s. I could have a heart attack. I could have a stroke. Right. So I'm I'm getting more impatient. I'm getting it's like I am. Mm. I am. You know, th this is kind of my takeaway uh, from this, this from basically missing everything from Christmas through New Year's. Wow. Uh, with COVID is like, man, I am done wasting time. Like I am just going to going to get up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to stop screwing around. Uh, and it's it's great. It's a great place to get to. Um, to, you know, and I, I mean, my motivation goes up and down. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know, just sort of remind yourself of why you did it to begin with and why you want to keep doing it. I did it without getting paid for yeah. 25 years. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know why the fact that I, I get paid for it now should matter. Well, it's a weird thing. You know, sometimes you, we, we use weird things as motivation. If I could just get that publishing kind of, if I could just do this, if I just, then you get it all. And you're like, now, why am I doing this again? And I will tell you the thing that for me that I always have to remind myself of is if I'm feeling a little, I'm not inspired to go to, it's like, I think about what it feels like to discover something, anything, that feeling. And it's like, man, I can't get enough of it. I cannot get enough of that. And when I start thinking about, for me, like when I think about writing as discovery, I'm interested in it again. When I think of it as just cranking words out, I just couldn't care less. So I, there must be some way that you frame it that brings you back and brings you back. Well, to me, that's the beauty of of not outlining. Is it really yeah, is? Every day right. is sort of like, I'm trying. Right. I wonder how this is going to turn out. That's right. You know, every day, it's just this, it is this discovery and this curiosity. That, I mean, that I've got a... a thing on my on my uh, laptop that says get curious and i think that is the secret to everything in life is to just and and whether you're you know it's, you, you can reframe anything yeah you know what whether you're in despair about uh you know you, you're approaching deadline that you're not going to make or you're worried about paying your mortgage or whatever else if you can frame it all as in terms of curiosity you know huh, i wonder how i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out I wonder how I'm gonna whatever. Suddenly, it all becomes possible. That's right. Right. It it all yeah. becomes about you know it's a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, you're speaking my language. Speaking my language. I think curiosity is really it's the root of our genius. It's the root of our intelligence. I I think I always oh, say yeah. that the curiosity is intelligence, and genius is just your curiosity that's been indulged. That, that is, when you've indulged the your curiosity, they suddenly call you a genius, you know. But I, I think, like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I read something earlier today. Um, I've been reading some of uh, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's letters. Oh, they're, got, they're pretty good, weren't they? They were kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had some interesting um, things to say about Hemingway.
Well, well that, yes, yes. Uh, it, it's sort of a love-hate thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Hemingway, too, sort of, yeah, uh, was more yeah. of a hate-hate. But, yes. <laughs> um, but he, he said this thing about, uh, about genius, which is that the people that we call genius are the ones who just managed to get the stuff in their head out into the world. See, that's good. Yeah, I like good. that. Yeah. Well, Nick, it's good. You and I speak the same language, which always appeals to me. And uh, I'm so glad you got you on the show. The book, okay, so again, the the latest is? Uh, it's called The Price You Pay. And it's, it's the out latest now? Peter Ash novel. Uh, out February 6th. February 6th. Oh, okay. Well, pre-order it, everybody. Pre-order it. It'll be on your door as soon as it's out. So The Price You Pay and uh, Peter Ash series. But I'm not quite done with you, Nick. Not quite done. I want you to do. I want you to think about all the writing you've done, all the way back to I didn't we get even get into it, but you were in my neck of the woods here in Washington, in Seattle, when you got your graduate work as a get your MFA out here in the UW. Um, think about it all, all the work you've done, and if all the writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, I, I, it all comes back to to keep showing up, right? I mean, I've I've run four businesses now, um, and you know, it really is just to sort of have faith that you can that you can figure it out and you keep showing up. Uh, and if there's, there's uh, to me, that's sort of the one thing that I tell aspiring writers is that, it, you know, just get to the end and then you can start to make something that's not so great into something that's better, yeah. right? If you keep showing up. Um, and, and I think that's the mistake that, that aspiring writers make is they sort of think, well, I've, I've read these books, I love these books and they all make it look so easy. And the fact is that it's that's the job is to make it look easy, but it's not easy, right? This is a hard thing to do to excavate something to pure invention out of your own head and put it on the page in the way that other people can understand. It takes a long time to learn that skill. Uh, it, it takes a long time to develop it. Uh, and so be kind to yourself and acknowledge, yes, this is hard, but it's hard for everybody. Uh, I, I think that's the if I can pass anything along, that's it. I like it. I like it. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Bill. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. It's so funny. You 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 clearly think deeply about all of this because you have these insights that I think so many people haven't gotten to. So it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You do got to show up. And, you know, that doesn't mean just put your butt in the chair because you can be quite miserable <laughs> putting your butt in the chair and then everything's go sideways. But your job is to show up and relax and see what happens and then trust. But you got to show up for yourself. Show up for yourself, not just the story, but for yourself. It's true. Hey, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries, as always. Thank my friend. I want to thank all of you. I do. I want to thank all of you. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Get back to work. Time to start that book if you haven't already finish it or just keep working. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Go find something you love to do and do it. <laughs>